0: I'm an American!
1: Welcome to the Liberty Moms show. We are part of the Loving Liberty Network and we're so glad that you decided to tune in today. I'm Chris Kimball hosting today and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their family, their children and their community. And today I've got my, well normally our our co-host, Delaine England, is with me today. And it's interesting because we're not in Utah. We are actually on the battleground in Nevada looking for evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 election cycle. And so um, we've been invited to come down through an organization called Mighty American Task Strike Force. And if you listened a couple of weeks ago, I had Tim Alders on with me and he has been working with mighty american um, strike force and we have they've been gathering volunteers to help prior to the election okay so prior to the 2020 election that was held on november 3rd but now they've been asked to bring in volunteers into these battleground states to help verify the vote there's nothing more critical to our Um, republic than to have clean, fair, certified votes being cast for our public officials, no matter what level, whether it's school board, county commissioner, mayor, governor, president of the United States. We should all agree that we want valid votes counting in those elections. And so there's been concerns about um, fraud. In, and it can happen at many different levels. It can be at uh, when voters get registered right off the bat. Um, they might give false information when they register to vote. It can be where mail in ballots are um, uh, what do they call it? they harvest them and they end up. Um, being hidden away or thrown away, and and never delivered to the voting area. There's lots and lots of different ways. And so, um, what we're trying to do is find the fraud and expose it, and let um, our elected officials know, let our American citizens know, if if indeed there is voter fraud, that it's there, and then we can fix the problem. That's all we want to do. We want to fix the problem. And um, we want to make sure that happens during this election cycle because there's a huge um, uh, consequence if the vote isn't clean. Um, you've got the president of the United States that's at, at stake, that particular office. And so Delane and I have been down here, and Delaine um, – she has been knocking doors, and with me and Delane. Do you have you seen any kind of we call them voter irregularities? That's kind of the political correct way to talk about voter fraud. But Delane, do you have any um, irregularities that you've seen? I'm okay, up, well, I'm let not me not tell kidding. you what I have seen um, as we've gone door to door. So the first day when we were. Uh, getting into our first database, and let me explain to our listeners the t- the type of voters we're looking at. Um, we're not looking at every single voter. We're looking at voters who voted on November third. Okay, there was a ballot that was submitted and it was counted. But what was interesting? But what was interesting is they the ballot that was mailed to them in the primary was kicked back was kicked kicked back. back. And And so now now that's that's a new regularity. Why did the ballot not get delivered in the primary election, but for some reason it appeared to be delivered and there was a vote attached to it? And so we're going to those particular voters. And in Nevada, there's about, I think, 10,000 statewide that have that particular irregularity. It's just kind of strange. And so we follow up and the first one that Delane and I went to yesterday, we drove up to the address that they had registered with and the address didn't exist. Okay, the the sequence of house numbers would would lead you to believe that there is no house listed between these two homes and so it's a bogus address it it doesn't it's not validated and the only way people can know that is you have to physically show up at the address that they list and so um it is illegal for anyone to list an address that's not valid or an address that they don't live at you can't you can't even list a business like let's just say you owned um a coffee shop, and you're like, well, you know, I want my mail to come to the coffee shop, so I'm going to have my ballot. That's illegal. You have to live, your residence has to be where that coffee shop is. So it is possible that they might have a residence upstairs above a business, that would be valid. But if they don't and it's strictly a business address, it's not valid. So some people sign up and they, it might be a, a shopping mall that they use as an address. Okay, so there's lots of different ways that can happen. Delaine, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Awesome, good. Okay, so you. Delaine, tell tell us if you've what kind of irregularities you've seen as you've
2: been knocking on doors. Well, most of the irregularities that I have seen have really been people mostly more than a year ago. They moved many years ago. They didn't live there, or some say they never lived there. Um, and then they got a ballot there, and they voted. So that is, seems to be the biggest issue that we have dealt with, is really voters not living where they say they live. So we have yet to find out if they voted in another state or if they just never updated their address, but that seems to be really quite a common issue, people voting without living where they say they're living.
1: Right. And and you've had some, we we've gone to some doors where they don't even know that
2: person. Right? Oh the yeah, person mostly. that's registered mostly at that address.
1: Know.
2: Right. Yeah, they're saying I've never heard of them. They've <coughs> never and some said they haven't lived here for a long time and some said they they couldn't have lived there for for many, many years because they've lived there themselves so long. So yeah, there is, it's interesting. People are lovely, very nice, we're, we're getting a lot of information. We don't know exactly how far information that does more than suggest, it verifies that there are some definite voting irregularities, without a doubt we well, found about, and, 50%, about 50, 50% of the people, the homes we go to, there is an irregularity
0: to it.
1: Right. So it's interesting because in uh, I think in the general public, you would think, well, if there's voter fraud, because you hear this, it's, it's just, it's not consequential. It's just a couple of, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of ballots. It's a few people. It's not enough to affect the election. But- our sampling that we took yesterday was right around 40%. Today we're sitting at 50%. We had another group yesterday uh, that had uh, done their canvassing, and they were sitting at 50%. So these, this 10,000 names that we're following up with, if you look at what we're trying to um, – distinguish is if there is any sort of fraud right now on our early, early returns in on the early, (laughs) on the early returns, we're seeing about 50% that have irregularities and that should be really um, terrifying because that, if, if that's 10,000 votes, that's 5,000, that's, that's 5,000 votes overall. If that carries, if that trend carries for these particular votes that we're looking at it may it may change it may drop to 40 to 30 we don't know right now but right now with our early sampling we're seeing about a 40 to 50% fraud rate with those that we can talk to and delaine are you talking to everybody you knock doors on
2: it does absolutely make a difference in many of the election outcomes so we're we're just getting started so we really don't know what the outcome is, and that's, that's what we're doing is the due process to find out what the outcome will be. We don't pretend to know. Um, we are gathering verification and evidence so that we can know whether it's impacts it. We know there is voter fraud. There always has been. We just need to know to what extent the voter fraud is.
1: Right, and I think um, I, I can't see why anyone wouldn't want to have our votes looked at wouldn't want to have our votes verified i mean we have auditors we have a state auditor in the state of utah that his whole job is to audit everything but you know what we are on a break so we're going to take a quick break here on the liberty mom show stay with us we'll be right back Here on the Liberty Mom Show, Chris Kimball today hosting along with uh, Delane England, who is one of our uh, regular co hosts. And we're on the road, we are doing a little detective work, making sure that every vote gets validated in the 2020 presidential election. Well, we actually want it validated for every race that took place on November 3rd. Okay, so it's not just the office of president, but we have. Uh, We have Senate seats. We have state uh, U.S. congressional seats. Even in Utah, we have a really, really closely contested race in the 4th District. And we for sure want to make absolutely positively um, clear that every vote that was cast is being recorded properly so that we have the will of the people being heard on Election Day. That's what this is about. Elections are about the voice of the people showing up, giving their preference on who they support, and um, making that uh, uh, voting decision. And what I was kind of talking about before we had to end abruptly is, it's interesting, we have a state auditor, happens to be John Dougal, and um, his job is to audit all aspects of government what what are they doing in the school board are they um managing their money properly are they um accountable for the the uh the um activities that they have to administer in their office um same with the governor they do reports on his office and his agency and and all of that and do you know which area they do not ever audit elections surprise So when you know that no one's going to follow up on what you do with the election cycle, and I'm not saying anybody's a crook, I'm not naming names with County clerks or anything like that. But when there's a tendency to feel like, you know what, it doesn't matter. No one is ever going to follow up. It can create an environment of fraud, of, uh, Um, maybe a little bipartisanship where somebody, well, not bipartisan, but partisanship where somebody is maybe more inclined for one candidate to be elected. So, you know, if we can be transparent and we can make sure that our votes are audited periodically, man, that's going to solve a lot of problems, wouldn't you think?
2: Well, it is interesting. Wouldn't we all want, not just for this race, but forever, don't we want to have accountability, and we want to have things honest and upfront and transparency. So I think that that, what we want to do is create a system that provides the least amount of fraud and the most amount of transparency and accountability. And we know through human nature, even really good, honest people, if they're given the perfect environment, to be honest, will be tempted to to be dishonest or to kind of... um, bend the rules so to speak and it's easy to emotionally justify the end the means because the ends are worthwhile
1: exactly and lord acton has a quote i'm I'm going to paraphrase it but power corrupts and absolute absolute power corrupts absolutely and when you get in charge uh, think about you know when you're in charge of of uh monitoring the system that gives us our elected officials there, you've you've got a lot of power in your pocket, you really do, and um, and that's why we have to make sure that everybody that we elect at every level of government, you know, as I mentioned before, at at school board level, at the county level, at the city level, at the state and the federal level, we want honest citizens that are taking on that responsibility to serve us. And so we really have to do our due diligence. There's a lot of responsibility on us as voters to make sure we get good people in office. But on top of that, we need to have these safeguards, just like our state auditor is there, to audit the state to make sure there's no, we're not saying the governor's, you know, corrupt. We're not saying that a certain department is corrupt. No, but we're just saying periodically we have a state auditor that can step in and do an audit and make sure everything is running properly. So that could change the whole um, way um, we do elections because Utah has kind of bought into a liberal way of casting ballots, trying to make it easier for people to vote. And sometimes When you make things easier, you open up the door for fraud. Would you
2: say that happens? That is so true, especially in this particular. We know that vote by mail is traditionally ripe with fraud. Just because of the way that it's done. Just by sending out so many ballots to people who didn't request them. Because our voter lists are already not very clean. They already have. We know that there's dead people on our voter list. We know that there are people not living at the correct address. People move and they forget to update it. But just sending out these massive amounts of, of ballots to so many people just sets the perfect storm to have voter fraud. So there's things that we can do and we we have other systems that we know make it much more difficult for people to, to be involved in voter fraud.
1: And the the idea that um, there's there should be a chain of custody of a ballot and when you throw that ballot in the mail, you kind of break that chain of custody because the mailman is not an official um, election official. He works,
2: he's just a postman. That's his job. He hasn't made an oath no. to, to take care of that and our Constitution requires election judges and requires that two people be in charge of those ballots at all times and so we're just violating that very important part of our constitution
1: we we certainly are and and again it's not to say that um our postmen are um corrupt or are are doing nefarious things but we want to make sure that um the the proper procedure is being implemented to make sure our a ballot is received and counted and and voted properly, and uh, if you've been watching anything outside of mainstream media, because for some reason I don't know, I have I have no idea why mainstream media. Maybe Delane can help me with this. Why does mainstream media, including Fox, want the American people to think there's no fraud? What what's why are they shutting that down? Why are they saying that's conspiratorial when we have? I mean, believe it or not, there were a thousand affidavits that were coming out of just Wayne County, Michigan, with people that were coming in and telling the election officials what had happened to their ballot and why there was
2: fraud connected. But why would the mainstream media want to do that, Delane? Gee, that's really hard to figure out, isn't it? Like, I have to really think for like a nanosecond to figure out that if people want to cover stuff up, there's a reason. And it's usually because they don't want, there's something they don't want people to know. Because if you've got everything out there and up front, this is, this isn't your own personal private life. This is, this is the public, this is the public's life and their future. And so always transparency is the best, the best rule of thumb. We always want to have transparency.
1: Yeah. And when you talk about how the elections affect us, I I have to go back to, uh, our, our president Obama. And I remember him so succinctly remembering him saying, you know, elections have consequences. Right. And I won. He was our consequence. And man, was he a big consequence? (laughs) And so, uh, honestly, I don't know how anybody, um, would not be all on board with, if there's fraud, let's find it. Let's clear the closet. Let's, Let's scatter, get rid of those cockroaches and shine light in every corner and make sure that the American people's voice is being heard. And uh, that's what we're down here to do. And uh, we're going to have Marianne Christensen join us in the next um, segment because we're going to talk a little bit about the fraud we've seen in Utah. And yes, it does exist in Utah so stay with us we've got more to come on the liberty mom show right after this short break Welcome back to the Liberty Moms Show. We're part of the Loving Liberty Network, and Liberty Moms are the defenders of the home front, the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their family, and their communities. I'm Chris Kimball hosting today along with Delane England. We are down in Nevada in one of the battleground states that are still up in the air for the 2020 election that took place on November 3rd. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, Utah for a minute and the elections up there. And we've been talking a lot about what kind of fraud we're seeing in Nevada. But we want to shift up to Utah because, gosh, do we have a problem with that there? And I've got, as our guest, Mary Ann Christensen, who just recently um, was running for office in the Ledge District 37 in Salt Lake county for the uh, house of representatives and her election actually isn't finished counting yet Um, she's not the projected winner at this point in time but there are still ballots trickling in to determine the outcome of that race but that's one of the problems we have i think is this um extended um vote counting i i really dislike that because um We'll explain a little bit later about what happens with extended vote counting that has happened right here in Nevada. But, Marianne, um, is there a way, I mean, are you familiar with um, the technology behind voting machines? Is there a way for those to be rigged? Because that seems to be a concern in this particular election cycle.
0: Well, it's actually a pretty easy thing to to skim off votes using any kind of a program. And I, you know, interestingly enough, I have a little grandson who's learning how to write programs. There's a simple little program that a school child can get for free, and then it helps them take elements and put the elements in order, and then they can run the program. So here's my little grandson, and he he is programming a robot To go across the room to pick something up and to bring it back to him, it's running completely off this little program he just wrote. wrote. So my grandson understands how easy it is to just take out one element of a program and stick in another element of the program, and all of a sudden the robot is doing something different. So that can happen with any kind of tabulation program that we use, and it... It used to be when we had paper ballots, and there were so many people involved in collecting and counting paper ballots. That it was hard to steal an election because you had to include so many people in on the corruption and fraud in order to steal enough votes to make a difference in a race. Nowadays, when we use electronic tabulation, it doesn't it doesn't require much? corruption at all. I mean, it can be a few key players that are aware of what's going on and a program can be changed and now all of a sudden the program is counting the votes in a different way. So, for example, um, I was involved in doing not an official investigation, but a casual investigation of a race in Salt Lake County, where we became convinced that the tabulation program was skimming off all the Republican straight party votes and giving them to the Democrats. So I'm not going to talk about the specific election or the people involved, but I became convinced that that's exactly what happened. And going steps further, people who were very politically involved and plugged in they they know a lot about politics and races and and elections when i shared my hypothesis with them i was able to convince everyone else that i shared it with that yeah that had been done so the computer program when when you're programming and i actually took a programming class way back when and the Computer language is just all zeros and ones. Zero means no and one means yes. So to program a computer, you have to just ask it questions that the computer can answer with a yes or a no. Is this a Democrat vote? If it's yes, it goes to a Democrat. Is is this a Republican vote? If yes, it goes to the Republican. If no, it moves on to the next question. Is this an independent vote? If no, then it moves on to the next question. So it's really easy to just change that program to say, is this a straight party Republican vote? Yes, then give it to the yes, Democrat. Senate. It's a simple thing to do. By doing the straight party votes, I think they were thinking that it would be such a small number of votes that switched over, enough to, to pull the election the way they wanted to, but not enough that people would notice it. So, that's what you watch for when you suspect election fraud. They're Marianne. never, ever, ever, going to steal enough votes that it's obvious.
1: Right. So, Marianne, it's interesting that you bring up just that very scenario because back in 2012, when I was the party chair up in Davis County, I had a phone call from someone in Davis County and their sister had gone to vote in the 2012 election cycle, which was the presidential election between Obama and Mitt Romney. And when she went to her Salt Lake County voting machine and voted straight party, she just happened to check the verification, because they give you a verification tab, and she just happened to double check it, and it showed she voted Democrat. See, it did exactly what you just described. And she was like, what the heck, right? And so she was trying to call me, uh, well, she called her sister, sister called me, and I reported it to um, the state chair because I wasn't over Davis, uh, Salt Lake County, and I thought the state party chair should look into that. But uh, that was happening on election day in Salt Lake City. That very scenario that you were just discussing happened to at least one voter And it happened to one. It probably happened to several. She just happened to notice it and was able because you know a lot of times you just vote and you just think, yeah, I just voted R and I'm good. And and unless you double check, which I do uh,
0: on a machine, um, you could definitely have it switched over and not know it. Well, and I'm glad you brought up those machines because I have heard many, many cases where someone touched the one name on the touch screen and it registered the other candidates vote. So not even straight party, just in individual races. They were count they were voting individual races on the touch screen. And it kept entering the wrong one and they had to ask for help to how do I get it to take the name of the person I want to vote for. And and so it has been a problem. Those kind of things they, they call them glitches. They just the touch screen wasn't working right is what they said at the time. That may be the case. We don't know. Our voting machines, our electronic machines, all the ones that I have used, for example, they have had the touch screen, but they've also had a printout so that they could be compared. And apparently that's what we're looking at in Michigan and Georgia, where the county clerks came forward and said, hey, wait a minute, the electronic count does not match the paper count, the paper trail count, that's how all the talk about the Dominion voting machines even came about, because county clerks recognized that 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 was happening. There was a discrepancy. So you, the voter, can get that printout. Most of them don't, you said, but they can. They can see the printout that stays in the machine. They can also request their own printout. Nowadays, they can see how they voted online. There's a lot of ways to verify that I got recorded correctly, but the Dominion problem still was the paper correct the paper logged it correctly, but the electronic machine still reported it differently. So as far as the voter was concerned, it matched. It was when it was in the transfer of the number that it was changed. There we're back to altering one single line of an entire Computer program, and we get a different result.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting how we have taken the idea that we need to make things easier and make it more convenient to vote. And when we do those very things, we actually lose the integrity of the vote. And so, um, Delane is here with me, and and uh, Delane, how who,
2: how did we get voting machines in Utah? Who was behind that, Delane? Oh, I hate to mention, but. Um... Some of you may have heard of him. His He was at the time Lieutenant Governor Gary Herbert. He is now the governor of Utah and just about to leave. But he brought the voting machines into Utah. It was the first, I won't call it a fight, but it was the first debate, discussion, disagreement that I had with Gary Herbert as Lieutenant Governor. Wow.
1: So that's pretty interesting. We have to thank Gary Herbert for our voting machines here in utah we have got a quick break we've got uh one more that we want to talk about with marianne so stay with us here on the liberty mom show back here on the Liberty Mom Show, Chris Kimball and Delaney England. And we are down broadcasting from Nevada, one of the battleground states in the 2020 election cycle. And we're on a on a mission to expose any and all fraud that may have been attached to the uh, election that just took place in in uh, in, February, in November, November 3rd. And we've got Marianne Christensen, who's with us. And she just uh, has been in, um, she just finished running for office here in Utah. Well, and and Ann's really not finished running for office because for some reason, Utah is unable to count ballots uh, in a timely manner. I mean, Florida had everything wrapped up, <clears throat> excuse me, and they have I think around 11 million people in Florida and Utah has a whole 3.2. 3 million, 3.2 million. And uh, for some reason, we're still counting and counting and counting. And so Marianne, doesn't that kind of set things up for some shenanigans or something when you just keep extending it out and and uh, why can't you just get a, a tally in um, in a
0: in a timely manner? Well, I think the problem is all of the different manners of voting that we have now. It used to be that we could go to the polls all on election day, show our ID, and we're all voting all at the same time. All of the votes that had to be counted got counted exactly the same way. There weren't several systems that had to be employed. So now we have widespread mail-in voting. Now those votes, they have to; their ID has to be verified by matching a signature that takes longer and is harder to do than just me proving who I am with my ID when I walk in. So each ballot takes longer to to identify. And so um they they use the signature on the outside envelope to say yes this is a voter they try and log that that ballot has been has been received so that that voter can't send in another one and and vote more than once and And then they separate the ballot from the envelope because the ballot has to be, it has to be a secret ballot and so it can't be associated with the envelope that can be associated with the voter anymore. And those ballots, they all have to be flattened out so that they can run them through the high-speed reader. And then they have to separate all the ones that couldn't go through or couldn't be read for some reason. And when we're mailing them in, They could get wrinkled in the mail. They could have been torn by the voter. They could have had food spilled on them when they were voting during lunchtime. There's a lot of reasons for that. But once they identify all the ones that can't be read, then they have to cure them. They have to either transfer the information to a new ballot or they have to um, enter the information by hand there's on all the ones where they can't verify the signature they try and find the voter and they try and allow the voter an opportunity to cure that ballot by by verifying their signature ver- verifying their identification that all takes time so this is with mail in ballots proving who we are it just takes longer and this year we had i don't don't even know how many mail in ballots because they sent unsolicited mail in to everybody um, there's also, you if you're going to have people mail in the ballots, it has to be postmarked by a certain. Then you have to, if it's postmarked on the right day, you have to let them come in as the post office delivers them. That can be a delay. Um, since we send out mail-in ballots to everybody, when someone goes to vote in person, first thing they'll say is, um, you already got a ballot. We can't let you vote on a normal ballot. But here's your provisional one. If by the time polls are closed, if we can determine you didn't mail in your mail-in ballot, then we'll go to your provisions are set aside. The only ballots that still need to be counted at this point are those provisional ballots. They, is that, is they're that true? saved until last so that they well, know voted. Marianne? It is so, in both, both Salt Lake and Utah.
1: So it's just provisional ballots at this time.
0: Right. right, and as of okay. last night, there were there were thirteen and a half thousand provisional ballots still in Salt well, Lake County. And Marianne, in Utah. Marianne, I want to just share with you how creative
1: Nevada is with their provisional ballots.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: today, today we heard one of the teams yesterday went to a home, knocked on the door, and the um, the uh, the person living at the home shared some information about his daughter and the Democrat party reached out to his daughter after November 3rd, which happened to be the election day. Right. And they invited her to come down and they registered her to vote because she wasn't a registered voter. They registered her to vote and had her vote. She cast a ballot and they they took the ballot. That's how provisional they are down here in Nevada. (laughs) <laughs> like could can actually vote after election day. Well, I that's think that's very
2: party. I don't think that's straight across the board. That's right. Very well, why I said, it
1: was the Democrat party. Um, they, I don't think they reached out to any Republicans. It was uh, just the Democrats. But isn't that fascinating? That and and see the thing is, they're still counting ballots here. So what's to say you couldn't just all of a sudden find new ballots to just submit, right?
0: Well, because and that's the
1: problem. they're still
0: counting, right? When we have in-person voting and we identify who we are and they don't have to check to make sure there's not ballots from me coming in, mail-in, absentee, provisional, when it's just the one ballot I cast on that one voting day, it, it's just so much easier than what we have right now. The bigger problem with provisional ballots that I've been hearing about is poll workers in trump areas of the country where voters showed up and they they were told they couldn't have a provisional ballot they couldn't vote on a regular ballot but they they didn't have provisional ballots for them and so they sent people away without voting at all and and that's another problem too with with corrupting the system you know what can we please exercise a little personal responsibility? Can we please give our right to vote the weight that it deserves by using some responsibility to do it the most prudent way and not insist on the so-called, quote-unquote, easiest way? Because the easiest way, opening up many, many different avenues to voting for people has not proved to be the easiest, or the safest, or the most accurate way. We've completely corrupted the entire system. Well, and Marianne,
1: Marianne, what I'm excited about is there is now a groundswell starting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and it is to get a valid vote count in every state. Uh, We were mentioning earlier in our earlier segments, we have a state auditor that goes in and inspects all different parts of of the government and the different entities to make sure that they're doing the thing, doing their responsibilities legally and handling their money appropriately, yet the only area we do not audit is the vote our vote and so I want our listeners to know that we as the voters of Utah we need to let our elected officials know that we want a valid verified election vote and so we need an audit we need an audit of what happened to our elections here in Utah in 2020 and so our listeners need to contact the governor The lieutenant governor especially, and the lieutenant governor's office is 801-538-1041. Ask them and demand, actually demand. Don't you don't even have to ask, you can be polite, but just say, I want a a verification of our vote in this 2020 election cycle. And then you can reach out to um, John Dougal's office, which is 801-538-1025 ask them for a valid verification and an audit of our election here in Utah. And then the county clerk in Salt Lake is 385-468-7400. If you're not in Salt Lake County, call your county clerks and demand respectfully and nicely a verified count of this election cycle. Okay, every vote needs to be verified. We need an audit of what we do in Utah, you know, and so um, it will only serve us better. It will make us, uh, th- it will make them better at what they do. It will give us a sense of well being that we are being, our vote is, is being um, treated properly and, and uh, we have the voice of the people. Um, being heard at our election time. So, Marianne, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Delane. And um for we've having got, me. Yeah, we're hoping that this can um, be a groundswell and we can true the vote in every single state. Thank you for joining us here on the Liberty Mom Show. We will talk to you